You're listening to Starting Place, a podcast of training the church. Hey, Starting Place family. I'm going to start out by answering another question that one of you all submitted. If you would like me to answer a question uh, in this kind of pre-episode Q&A, you can shoot me an email at podcast at the woodsoninstitute.org, or you can shoot me a message on Instagram. All right, here's the question. Elizabeth, what does your writing process look like? I actually get this question quite often when I'm just hanging out with different people or at different events, because I think people are curious about what it looks like to write a book and the process and everybody's process is different. What I will say is that some people are writers who kind of like write a little bit every day. They like write an hour every day in the morning. I'm not that person. I write in huge chunks. Um, And so my writing process really begins with obviously the idea and trying to pitch it to my publisher. And if they buy into it, then it is me writing out an outline. So for any writing project I'm working on, whether that's a paper in school, a blog article or um, a book, I have to have an outline. Uh, And so even though writing is like this journey that you're taking where you're not, you have an idea of where you're going, but sometimes you will end up in a different place than you thought you did or take a different route to get there. I do believe writing is this discovery process where you produce something just really, really substantive and beautiful and it forms you as you are helping to form other people with your words. But I will always start with an outline. I have to kind of have a plan for where I think I'm going um, before I can just jump in and starting writing paragraphs. And I'm the type of person who will write in chunks. Um, So I will dedicate a couple of days. I did a writing retreat a few months ago where me and a friend got together and all we did was write. Like we ate breakfast. We wrote, we ate lunch together, and then we wrote some more. Like the whole point of the retreat was to write. And that just really helps me to do it all at one time because it takes about like two hours, if I'm honest, for me to get in the zone. So if I'm going to spend that much time trying to get into my writing zone, then I need to be in that place for a while. Uh, And then I also like to be in places that inspire me. And so for me, the city inspires me. So concrete buildings, uh, you will have like the white noise from the ambulance or the police cars or just people talking outside. All of that is just helpful for me. I love the city. And so being in that kind of environment helps inspire me while I am writing. So fun question. I always like answering it because every writer is different. Um, And so learning more about people's writing journey just kind of helps you a a little bit more about the projects that they are producing for you. All right. On today's episode, we are going to continue our conversation about the character of God by jumping into the topic of God's omnipresence, right? This fact that God is present everywhere, both in the past, the present, and the future. And so my conversation partner uh, is a return podcast guest. It is Kat Armstrong. And Kat is a Bible teacher and author who loves encouraging curious Christians to explore Bible stories. She is a co-founder of the Polish Network, an organization emboldening women in their faith and work. Kat is the author of No More Holding Back, The In-Between Place, and the Storyline Bible Series, which is a six-book series that will guide you through your study of the Bible. She received her master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary and is pursuing a doctorate of ministry in New Testament context at Northern Seminary. As always, I'm excited for you to hear the conversation, so let's jump in. Kat, you are involved in so many things, uh, lots of ministry stuff. But like, I wonder, what do you do like in your free time? 
that has nothing to do with studying the Bible, <laughs> nothing to do with reading really heady, heady books. Kind of, how do you have fun? I like to work out. Okay. I like to go to Bar 3 Richardson. They have a studio close to my house and I've been working out there for years and I love it. So it's like a little bit of, I mean, they've got fun music and I get okay. to move my body. Okay. I do like to cook, okay, but I never do it unless I have time. I and, and so Fridays or Saturdays when I do have time, I will cook and I'll try new recipes and I fail at a lot of them. My sweet family's like, oh, good, a new one. <laughs> um, I really like baking too. Okay. I, I'm not, I don't make anything look cute, but it ta- I, my baked goods do taste good. Okay. Okay. I feel like that's what's important. Like icing, all that fun stuff. That's cool. But I need it to be actually tasty. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would get probably a nine out of 10 on tasty scale okay. and like a 0. 0.5 on the looks. <laughs> yeah, my family's always like, wow, how creative, I think is what my 10 year old son has said recently. I was like, wow, you are your emotional skills are really good, buddy. Yes. Yeah, I'm giving you an opportunity to grow. And how do you compliment people when you may not like what they did? <laughs> That's fine. Yep. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, well, Kat, thank you for coming back on the podcast. You're a return guest for us. And you are going to help us kind of unpack, understand uh, God's omnipresence. Uh, so this season, we're talking about the character of God. And uh, we're going through kind of the ones that are about God alone. Uh, so we cannot emulate his omnipresence. Although I think we try to, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, but Kat, when you just think about the fact that scripture points us to this idea that God is present everywhere, fully at all times, both past, present, and future. Like what comes to mind for you? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is he was there. Mm -hmm. I love that song and that phrase and the popular hymn. But then I think about how God was present at all the moments in time and in scripture that have meant a lot to me over the years, and that he has been present in all of my best moments, my worst moments. That phrase comes to mind a lot. He was there because he was everywhere. everywhere. (laughs) So being present. And I think that he carried with him the knowledge of all places because of his omnipresence. And I think that shows up in the way he authored, co-authored the scriptures and how the spirit inspired the text And so I think some of the geographical features that we have in the scriptures reflect that God remembers all these places because he's been all of these places and they had meaning for him. Um, And it kind of blows my mind, Elizabeth, to think about the capacity he had for that. I have to go to my Google calendar and revert back months to figure out where I was at a point in time. I'm like, where where was that? Where where did we go? I can't remember where we flew into. Like, where did we stay? Yeah. And to imagine God knowing, visiting all the places all the time kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Like people ask me, Elizabeth, what did you do this past weekend? And I mean, and it was so be on Monday. And so basically ask me what I did the day before. And I'll be like, oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't remember. This is shameful. <laughs> You're like, I'd, I'd rather write a paper, a 20 page paper than you ask me. What did you do yesterday? I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. And like you said, it's just 
to marvel at the fact that he remembers in full detail. So right, even if we do remember, you know, I might remember a person I saw on a plane or some situation because it maybe it was just got out of hand and my attention was drawn to it. Or I might remember what someone was wearing because I really liked their shirt or really like their shoes. <laughs> uh, but he remembers every little detail from every point in history, from every geographical place. And I think that there are things about the Lord that just overwhelm me in all the best ways. And that's one of them that... I think can't fully wrap my mind around like Jesus has these, I think Jesus has a really great sense of humor. And so in, as he's having a conversation with some of the uh, religious leaders in the new Testament and they're going back and forth with him and he just pulls out like this mic drop moment. And he's like, before Abraham was, I am. And they're just like, what? And it just is <laughs> like, even the language of the, the way it's written communicates his omnipresence, his imminence, um, the fact that he is present regardless of time, always. And it just is, what I want to say, which you guys can't hear, see, is because this is audio, is just me like, I don't have words to fully describe what that means and what that is, because it just is so beyond my understanding. And it's something that I cannot do. And so Mm -hmm. to know that what I struggle in in my humanity, our God does perfectly and how much comfort that brings me. The fact that he can hear, uh, I was in um, the admissions trip years ago and I was in South Africa. And so they were praying in Afrikaans and it's, you just are not going to pick that up on the fly. You're just not (laughs) (laughs) like there's, you know, a little bit of French, maybe a little Spanish you can kind of get, but that you're not going to do that. And so it's like, as I'm sitting here, not fully understanding and God's attributes interconnect um, that as these folks are praying on Sunday morning in Afrikaans, the Lord is present with them and understands them. And he's also present with the folks in my home church as they are praying to him too. And he hears clearly and he doesn't have to ask, okay, can you repeat that? Because I got distracted listening to these folks over here that I missed you. It's like all of that, all at the same time, in perfection for all times, that is our God. His transcendence over time and space really does boggle the mind. I mean, I think of some of the movies that we watch, like if you're into Marvel movies and some of the recent um, Spider-Man movies and how they've taken the multiverse and tried to give us a concept of like what it would be like to move around in time and space. And it, even that I find confusing. I find the movies confusing. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to marvel at God and go, wow, it kind of blows my mind that you have been present in all time and you transcend it. So when we say things like that was a really hard season in my life, that was a really hard season in my life, we experience time in these epics, right, in these segments, and that's not how God experiences time. It's just cool. It's really cool. You know, you see the biblical authors point to it so much throughout the text. And I just think about how that impacted them and their understanding of who God was as they're trying to figure out who Yahweh is, who Jesus is. Um, And so for me, one thing I love, and I know you love it too, Kat, is the interconnectedness of the stories in the Bible. I feel like that's your jam. And so when you think about some of the stories we see present in scripture, right? How does the interconnectedness of them kind of point us to God's omnipresence? Where do we see it show up? Maybe there's a specific story that comes to mind for you, but how have you seen that we've woven throughout the stories in the Bible? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm working on a podcast right now called Holy Curiosity, and the goal is to approach the text following a person, a place, or a thing. And what I've noticed, Elizabeth, is that if you start following a person, you see them through different parts of time in the story as the time progresses. If you follow a geographical location, you start to see that it shows up usually more than once in the scriptures. And when it's named, it's happening at different times in history. And so you can start to put even the geographical locations together in their times. And then if you follow a thing, just a, sort of a literary feature like water or fire or a tree or a rock, you start to see, wow, over the course of time, over thousands of years, maybe over 1500 years, the biblical authors have repurposed certain literary features that we might notice and what connects all of them is God's presence in each one of them. And so you know, one of the things that's captured my attention recently have been valleys in the Bible. And I noticed how Caleb and Joshua scouted out the promised land, and they did it in a valley. I noticed how Deborah and Jael defeated the Canaanites, and they did that in a valley. I noticed how David fought Goliath in a valley. I noticed how the valley of shadow of death in Psalm 23 foreshadows Jesus's crucifixion. It also kind of embodies what we all feel when we're going through the darkest, lowest points of our life. And I noticed the valley of dry bones um, in Ezekiel 37, that it's out of that valley that Jesus resurrects. And so when I started looking at these geographical places, I started to consider isn't it fascinating that God was present with Caleb and Joshua and Deborah and Jael and David and Goliath and the psalmist and Ezekiel, ah! like <laughs> that he was at all those places, but then he also occupied that time in that place. And it, we might liken it to when you buy a house and you're in a neighborhood and then you move and you go back to visit the old house and you're like, oh, I used to live here in 1993. This is where I went to high school and my parents lived here. We didn't have a pool. They must have put that in and they've totally painted it. And to, to be at a place at a specific point in time and then to look back or to look forward, wow, we should start thinking about how God purposely revisits places in the scriptures or creates settings of his stories at specific places over the course of time. Yeah, it's pretty I mean, cool. It's really cool. Uh, and again, to me, those are the like the details, right? And so you snuck it in there that you got this podcast, Holy Curiosity. I'm going to come back to that. <laughs> but I do want to respond to what you, you just said. And just, you know, I remember going, uh, we lived in a house in upstate New York, and I had an, a layover few years ago near it. This is when I was a kid. And so I drove back to the house and I'm like driving by, hoping not to freak out the neighbors. And it's just like, oh, and this is different. Like, I remember when I was here, the neighborhood was like this. The trees were like this. The trees are so much bigger. Like I'm going down memory lane and connecting to all the things that happened while I was there, the ways in which God was present. You know, and I think, again, how those serve as markers for our own life um, and the ways that God is present, what he has done. It's these, these stones of remembrance. But it is, as we see that in scripture, 
coming to the details of the description of the event or location or situation that we're reading and how another reason why the details that the authors of scripture give us are so important. They're none of the words are wasted because even in the description that we get to see characteristics about God and the repetition of the place and how the place is significant for what God is doing in the lives of his people. And to me, that's just the beautiful layeredness of scripture that helps us understand how God is always present in the places but his work in our life changes over time. And by mm-hmm. being able to put that together, we have a fuller picture of who he is, but also just a greater appreciation of the moments in which he's present with all these people, like the valleys you mentioned, he's present with all these people in the valley. Man, God's gonna be present with me in my valley too. Yes. And so that's just, it's just really beautiful. Uh, but back to the detail you snuck in. Kat, can you tell us about Holy Curiosity? Just a little bit, little snippet for the peoples about what your podcast is on. Yeah, it's about the literary genius of God. It's it's what I'm trying to accomplish is appreciate the way God puts his stories together. And so I'll put two stories together, two yeah. people, two places, two things, and I'll compare them and show how they're potentially connected and how we can appreciate different elements of the story in the comparison or in the contrast. It's been so fun, Elizabeth. I mean, I've only got two episodes. So I, you know, part of me is like, I'm such a newbie in such a crowded space. But I have really enjoyed thinking about how God is intentional to list or to name details. You said it best. You said there, there's no wastefulness in God's details in the scripture, but I'm just becoming aware of that. That's very new for me to see an ancient place listed, not be able to pronounce it and think whatever, whatever, yada, 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 moving on to the words that I do know how to read and can pronounce. And instead pausing to look further into why would John specify that Jesus had to go to Sychar? in John chapter four. That seems like kind of a misplaced detail. And so those are the kindest things that I'm exploring, you know, in the first mini series, we're talking a lot about Dinah and her tragic um, oppression and abuse in Genesis 34 and how it's connected to the woman at the wells story in John chapter four. And the two women are connected through their hometowns. And so I joke often that I'm from Houston, H-Town. That's where Beyonce's from. No relation, but like I love telling people that we are from the same hometown. You know, (laughs) it's only 5 billion people large, but obviously we occupied the same space and the same time. Like we're kind of close in age too. Um, (laughs) You might have to edit out my Valley voice when I talk about Beyonce. I get very excited and I revert back to like my teenage years. But yeah, I mean, I think that Elizabeth, what I'm enjoying about Holy Curiosity is that it's it's just encouraging Bible readers to get curious again and go read Bible stories. So yeah. that's the feedback I'm getting. Huh, I went back and read that story. I hadn't been there a while. I'm like, yes, that's the win. That's the goal. Yeah, yeah, because it is, is that we would help people read the text more and in a way that allows us to see the details in a freshness with the freshness, especially for seasoned Bible readers. You're like, oh, this kind of feels the same. I've read this story before. I know this story. And it's like, no, let me approach it with fresh eyes and see what God has. And I think being able to create connections. And so I'm big on a comprehensive understanding of the text that we just don't can't go deep to the bottom, but I can also have a very wide lens and see how the things fit together. So we will tag uh, Holy Curiosity in the show notes for y'all. Um, it's Kat. 
And so it's going to be a wonderful podcast. And so I'm excited just for the work you're doing and just how you're contributing to this podcasting <laughs> Thank you, friend. Yeah. It's okay. When you think about, again, a fully present God, like we can do all the theological things. You are in seminary. I've been to seminary. We can put out all the big words. But this is not just something that's in a theological idea. It's meaningful for our personal lives. Yeah. And so when you think about your journey with the Lord, how has God's omnipresence been meaningful to you in a way that's either man, this comforted you or maybe convicted you in a season? What has that done for you in your walk with the Lord? Yeah, I mean, I talk about my father's passing often, and I think it's because I was one person before he passed, and I w- I'm a different person now after. So there's a, a very strong delineation of time for me and space based on his life and his death. It, my my father purposely injured himself seven years ago, and it caused uh, havoc on his body, which put him in the ICU for two weeks and ultimately caused his death. And it was during that time that I would visit him in the hospital at Baylor Hospital ICU. And Elizabeth, I would just wish for an eject button mm. in that elevator. Yeah. I remember going up the elevator and being like, what I really want is not to get to his floor, but just to like hit an eject button and go somewhere else. And there was a moment um, when I visited him that I imagined Jesus present. I was challenged by a counselor and spiritual director to do that, to imagine Jesus present in that room with me um, while I watched him suffer in all the tubes and It's a very painful moment in our family. And what comforted me was um, imagining Jesus present. And what we know, Elizabeth, is that he was. Mm -hmm. But I really paused to think, where would Jesus be exactly if he's here? Would he be standing? Would he be holding my hand? Would he be petting my father's hair? Yeah. Would he be overseeing what the nurses are doing? Would he be kneeling? to pray. And so it was that practice of imagining him present, knowing that he was, that caused me to explore his character. What would Jesus do? Well, I know he'd be praying. I know he would be merciful. I know he would be strong. I I know he would probably pay due attention to the people in need. I know he'd be close to the brokenhearted. So I wonder how close he is to me. And so I, you know, I know that goes really deep, really fast, but truly when I think about the omnipresence of God, I think about He was there. He is here right now. So what is He doing? What was He doing? And I think that it can really, it can impact our relationship with God when we're a Christ follower to not just know the doctrinal statement that that God is omnipresent, but I do think, Elizabeth, it can challenge us to appreciate His patience. Mm -hmm his interest in our lives yeah, because he was there for all the foolishness in my life. Mm-hmm. He was all there for all the joy. He was there for the hidden moments that I've told no one yeah. that word I treasure in my heart or I grieve in my journaling. He yeah. has been so patient because being present in all space and all time, he was there for all of it. And I think also just the interest he has in our lives. I think about that story from the woman at the well, Jesus knowing, being present for her divorces, Mm -hmm. being present if she had acted inappropriately, being present for her life up until this moment, asks her to tell him about her story 
when he already knows it. <laughs> he already experienced it with her. Yeah. And so that patient, that interest mm. of Jesus wanting to hear from us about us, you know, that's what our friends are like. When we text them and tell them everything that went down, but then we call them and we want to yeah. tell them again. And we're like, I got to tell you how she said yeah. it, though. That's what God is like in his omnipresence, attentive, interested, compassionate. He lingers in the best way yeah. uh, to be near to us. And so I think beyond that kind of everyone can probably relate to that, I would say that there's even a subset of Christ followers who've experienced really tragic things, trauma, suffering, and God's omnipresence can be a door to things like inner prayer, prayer healing, inner prayer healing, where we imagine God present with us when we need him most, and we question, where were you? Yeah. Where were you? And then working through with a pastor, um, a theological leader, a counselor, the answers to those questions. And so we we can't just have his omnipresence. We have to also have to know his character because we might be tempted to go, well, if you were there and you knew, why didn't you do? And we have to know who he is and why he does and does not to interpret his omnipresence. But I would say that's probably how it impacts our everyday life. Like I, I really like the word, this attentiveness and interest that the Lord has in us in that I think like the in the illustration you used of you're calling up a friend and you're telling the details. And it's like, I know I've told you this story like 15 times. But can I just tell it to you one more time? And like they're rolling their eyes. They're like, girl, okay, we know, we know. And it's like, the Lord's not gonna roll his eyes with me. Like every time he wants to hear that he cares, that he is interested, he's invested in my story and in my life. And again, those of us, which is probably everyone that's listening to this podcast who've experienced really painful moments in which you have felt alone. You have like, no one else can understand this. Like people aren't able to be present with you. You know, maybe your loved ones are across the country um, or you are struggling with a season of friendships not being what you want them to be and knowing that the Lord is with you. And, I, and I've done that myself. Like uh, just, Lord, I know you're here. And I know that you, like this this image of a friend who is sitting next to you on the couch, who <laughs> is able to just give you a hug or just have this ministry of presence that's so powerful for us as, as human to human, um, how much more for our God as he is present with us. Uh, and it's such a, it's a balm for the, for the situations that don't have easy answers. And to view God like that, like uh, I think sometimes that we can... You know, and we should, that the Lord wants us to obey him. He wants us to walk in holiness. He has standards for us. And so we can see him as his taskmaster who just wants us to check boxes. And it's like, yes, he, those things are true. He wants us to live in a certain way, but that same God is kind. He is caring. He is compassionate and he's really invested in every moment of your life. And in the moments where people weren't there, they couldn't make it to whatever event it was, uh, yeah. that they didn't show up for the important celebration, even yeah. when they were there, that they were so focused on themselves that they couldn't celebrate you. Like mm. all those moments of loss that we have because someone wasn't present with us, that God is yeah. present. And there's nothing that we can do to make him not sh stop showing up. Mm. Uh, again, people stop showing up in our lives. He'll never not so be there. Powerful. So powerful. Yeah, and it just is... Like it, to me, I, certain things are like an anchor to say, I got to get out the bed this morning. I got to put my feet on the ground and I got to live. I got to show up. And that is one of them uh, for me. I would also say on the flip side that the omnipresence of God has gathered me up 
in all the right ways uh, because nothing is hidden from the Lord. And so when it comes to the moments where we're just in sin and it's just that we would be people that I don't, that the maturity in Christ that I seek is one where I don't need to have somebody else present in order for me to get my life together. It's enough that God sees it and it's dishonoring to him that who I am when nobody's around is the same person that I am when everybody's around. That who people see on social media is the same person I am. If you saw me in the middle of Target by myself, which I'm there often, probably too much. <laughs> but <laughs> it just is like, it's this this walking in holiness that, that when I think about the omnipresence of God as scripture writes about it, as the biblical authors write about it, they always talk about nothing is hidden from your sight. That's right. You are in all places. You know me in the deepest parts of who I am, David's words in Psalm 139. But it also means you see every little thing I do. And so when it comes to accountability, ultimately, the primary measure of accountability for us is the fact that God is there. And we do not want to dishonor God as we are always in his presence. And so that's that's gathered me up. Uh, so it's been a comfort <laughs> it's, to his presence. <laughs> a comfort and accountability. And accountability for me. Oh, yes. that's so good. While you were talking, Elizabeth, what came to mind was that God doesn't ghost us. Hmm. He is the staying God. Yes. He does not leave us. He doesn't orphan us. He doesn't abandon us. And I think what's important for someone to hear today is that he may be silent, That happens in our relationship with people we love. There are moments of silence, but he is not absent. So this omnipresence really counterbalances what we know about God at some points in our relationship with him being silent, that he, even when he is quiet or seems not to be responding, he has not left. And that should be a great comfort. And like you said, a lot of accountability. (laughs) Yeah, he sees, but he sees. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. He's a staying God. He does not ghost or zombie, which is a new term I've learned. Those, <laughs> oh, what's that? It is when someone has ghosted you and then they come back. <laughs> <laughs> so my Did friends it? who are dating will talk about it. It's like this dude, he ghosted me and then he just came back. Uh, from the dead. So they call it zombie. It's, oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. I feel like church leaders around the world right now are like, oh, that should be a new category in our CRM for our church database. Yes. <laughs> it's like, we ain't seen you. You just came back. You came back. Hello there. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Well, Kat, when I think about, because uh, in this this series, we're, we're talking, especially about the attributes of God, that we cannot um, replicate ourselves, which being present everywhere is not something we can do, but the ways in which we try to. And so, like, when you look at the, what's out here in culture, what's available to us, what are some of the things that you see that give us the false idea that we can be omnipresent in our humanity? Oh, I have an answer. <laughs> Automations, Mm. AI automations are making my work life good, Elizabeth. I am leaning hard into um, any application and software at work that has automations, sending automatic emails, responding to automatic test messages, like sending automatic links in DMs and tagging people and conversations to follow up at a later time with something that I set up a long time ago. And I think automations are fascinating and wonderful and we should employ them. And I also think they give us this false sense 
that we are caring for meeting the needs of the people we serve, whether that's in the marketplace and ministry through these automations. I'm not going to stop using them, but I do think it undermines if we're not reflective, if we're not cognizant that that's happening, we might think I am limitless. The sky the sky's the limit, really, for what we could do and how much we could produce. And even just now I'm seeing some AI features converting content. I'll probably utilize a lot of those, you know, taking a message, repurposing it for a blog post, repurposing it for social media. Again, it really threatens our concept of limitation, that there really is only so much that we can produce and do at a time. And what God has that we do not is the ability to be present and transcendent above time and space. And we are called to be present Mm -hmm. and focused on what we're doing. And I think this is distracting. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I I would say the same thing, you know, because it is, I mean, AI does some really fascinating things that are super helpful. So even in some of the like content producing, it just is like, I, I want to say I'm producing my own content, <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, that is too. like, it is making the process easier um, in ways in which I'm not strong. And so I'm grateful for that. But it also is like, it gives me this false sense that I can do more and break mm. those boundaries um, mm-hmm. that I can be present for a ton of different people. And it's like, you yep. can't, like you physically nope. can't do that. Uh, nope. The quality of your relationships is not going to be as great or this desire to want to constantly be in the mix. So it just is like social media is great. And it's like, sometimes it feels as if what's really happening in the world is in those little rooms on social media. And so when I'm not present that I'm, I don't know what's happening in people's lives. And so I got to constantly be on there and scrolling and catching up and seeing what people are doing, but I don't have the capacity for all that information. And I think when we go beyond the boundaries, then we start to be deformed and starts to affect us in negative ways Or there's just some stuff, stuff. I need to talk to you face to face. Like we need to be sitting down and having a conversation so I can feel your presence and eye contact, text messages and quick emails are great for communication, but they don't make great conflict resolution pathways (laughs) in relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They just don't. And it just is like all these things of I can do more. So the quantity of what I can do is increased, but it has the quality Mm -hmm of what I'm able to do increased. Uh, and I really, for me, what I, what I see, especially in the church, is the quality of relationships to me, yeah. I think is being hindered by our use of technology that lets us live beyond the boundaries that we're able to. Yeah, I mean, two things come to mind. The first would be we can't automate spiritual formation. Mm. You just can't. This is not something you plug into an algorithm or you set on a calendar reminder. Oh, yeah, I need to spend time with the Lord. And I know that we need practice disciplines that we might need to schedule out how we allocate our time, but you cannot automate formation Mm -hmm. that may take a generation for God to form character within us. And I think, unfortunately, we've got generations of people in the marketplace now that feel as though... They don't need their character to be formed at the same pace that they can create new things or do things. And we need to stay in pace with the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And according to the history books, this process of becoming like Jesus 
cannot be automated by a certain prayer or um, rote religion, but these relationship building with Jesus, it just takes time. And the second thing that popped into my brain as you were talking, that we can't multitask the ministry of presence. You said it really well. You can't be in a hospital room and doing all these other things, but part of spiritual formation is choosing where to allocate our time. It reflects our priorities. And when we fail to acknowledge our limitations, it's like we're fooling ourselves that we don't have to have priorities because everything can be in priority all at the same time. And that's not right. And what starts to suffer, you're exactly right, our relationships. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's spiritual formation. And I had... Uh... His name is Isaac Adams, and he said it uh, in a conversation I had with him. He's a pastor out of Birmingham, Alabama. And he talked about how God is more interested in changing us slowly than situations quickly. Uh, And that formation is, it's just a slow crawl. And I'm grateful for it because it means the Lord doesn't just cast me aside because I'm not changing quick enough. But in a culture where everything changes so quickly that I can take uh, a course. I can take your master class for nine ninety nine, and within six months, I'm gonna be a millionaire. Like that's right. You know, people Proven. are telling us that. You know, I'm gonna be amazing. I'm gonna have a big old mansion. I'm gonna go from zero to a hundred six months, baby. Y'all better watch out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's, I know, and it really all just comes down to tagging in your TikTok. That's, that's it. it. That's it. You're just not tagging people enough. People, if you were tagging and you were on here, you would be producing results. Uh, (laughs) And what that creates in us is this expectation that I'm going to change quickly. And like you said, Kat, it just doesn't work that way. Mm -mm. It's just this, like this mixture of life experiences and circumstances and people and conversations. Like the Lord can be working with me for a while on something. Then I'll have one conversation with someone and it will immediately shift my view That's right. But it was that one conversation that popped up at that random time. And I'm just faithfully with the Lord. And he is creating these opportunities for me to be shaped into his image that he's inviting me to respond to over time. And we miss out on the beauty of change over time when we think that we can, we will change quickly. Or I think another aspect is we will confuse information with formation. Oh, wow. Uh, And so we'll think, man, I got all this information. I can Google anything. I don't need to hear from you as a teacher or leader because I can just Google tell me what this means. And it's like, Google will tell you something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it is like information and wisdom are not the same thing. And wisdom comes from the Lord. And we are being hustled to believe that because I have all the data or information that I can find, um, yeah. that that means I'm a very mature person and know what to do with it. Yeah. And the Lord shows us what to do with the information. And that comes wow. over time. You know, while you were talking, what was coming to mind, Elizabeth, was Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And Eve and Adam's decision for this power grab and their rebellion to wait on the wisdom giver to visit the garden and to give them the knowledge that they needed to be like him, reflect him, cultivate the garden, rule and subdue, multiply, to be fruitful, all the things that he designed them to do. He was going to come to the garden. He was going to meet with them and share with them over time what they needed 
And part of the rebellion, yes, it's it's so layered. It's such a cosmic story about our origin. So it's like you could come up with 20,000 reasons it was rebellion. But one of them was not waiting on the wisdom giver to give us in his time what he knew we needed, but instead to take what we thought we needed in that moment. And I think that's what we see when we fail to recognize God's omnipresence, that um, he is here. He will give us what we need. We need to chill a bit. And we need to consider that production is not the number one value of God. Transformation is. And I think that a lot of us are living like slaves in Egypt, mm. you know, under a, 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 an oppressive a ruler like Pharaoh who only cares about the widgets and the bricks that we make. And we don't. We serve a God who wants to spend time with us in the garden. I need you to tweet that out, Kat, because I know you tweet. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to try to say it, uh, but it's like production is not our highest value. Transformation Mm -hmm. is. uh, And productivity, the culture of productivity, uh, our value is not connected to the things that we put out. Our value is connected to who we are in the Lord. And God mm-hmm. cares more, more about who we are becoming than what we do. Because when we yeah. become the right type of people, which is people like Christ, then our actions are going to automatically follow. Um, yeah. But transformation is that sitting and, and with the Lord long mm-hmm. haul over time. Uh, yeah. And something that can pop us out of it. And this is going to circle us back to the beginning of our conversation are those valleys um, that we will find ourselves in when the transformation process is showing up in ways that we don't like. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Kat, uh, a lot of your work, the ways in which I've come to know your work uh, have been through your ministry, both to women in the marketplace and women in the church. Um, and mm-hmm. kind of some of the valleys or, or challenging moments we can find ourselves in, in either category. And so mm-hmm. for, the, for the woman or person, right? Because I think this, this connects both with men and women who's listening to this and is like, I know God is present with me, but I am experiencing a season of loneliness because I'm alone on my job. I'm the only believer. I'm alone working on this church staff. Um, There's some conflict happening or it's just a difficult season or situation. I am just alone uh, in terms of there are people around me, but they don't align with me ideologically or I just haven't been able to form a relationship. Like from your seasons in the Valley, Kat, Mm -hmm. what word of encouragement might you offer to them? Yeah, I would say Jesus is your sacred companion. I would say the spirit of God is our great counselor. You don't have to check if they're on he's on your insurance or if he has a slot available for you. Anytime you need the great counselor, he is available to you. And Jesus, our sacred companion, is with us in every valley, every mountaintop experience and everything in between. I think if we prioritize communing with God, treasuring our time with the wisdom giver, appreciating his presence, um, that our relationships will mature. I think we'll find the capacity we need in the marketplace to deal with people who don't align with us or agree with us. I think we will find new capacities to build relationships with believers that we don't have time for that do not fit into our work-life balance or our family life balance, we'll find new capacities because we'll start to see the immense value in those relationships. You you kind of referenced my work in the marketplace. The Polish Network's been around 15 years. We've served 
you know, hundreds of thousands of women, whether it's been online or in person, and there is an epidemic of loneliness. And part of the reason the Polish Network has been a staying presence in ministry life is because women continue to raise their hands and say, I'm in the marketplace and I don't have any friends at work. I've got to go out to find relationships that will fuel me up to go back and to serve, to pour out. And I think that's really important. And I think it speaks to the limits that we have, the capacities we need to grow, and then dependence on this omnipresent God who will be with us in every business meeting where we feel completely isolated and who will be with us on every awkward coffee date to make new friends. Making I'm 40 in my 40s and making friends only gets harder, I think. I think I can go deeper quicker but as far as finding a new person, it's kind of like, hey, could you send me a resume and an application form? Because I do not have time for this to be <laughs> taxing, right? Yeah. But even yes. that thought, Elizabeth, yeah. is trying to to work against all those limits that we have. I do have limits. And so I think, I hope that encourages someone to hear you have a great counselor, you have access to your sacred companion in Jesus and to lean on, lean on them. Yeah. Beautiful truth, sacred companion, great counselor, that what we need here provides and that we would be people who pray and live with expectation. That is Mm -hmm. what, however nuanced our request may be that we serve a God who's capable to do that in Mm -hmm. some surprising ways and surprising being good ways. Yeah. Um, So Kat, you know how we end episodes. Uh, We end episodes by pointing people to the gospel. And so when you think about God's omnipresence, how does that point us to the gospel? Yeah, here's what I wrote down, because I knew you were going to ask, and I love this question. I wrote down, if we know that we know that God was there in the beginning, we will start to know that he will be with us in the end and everything in between. And so let me unpack that. It's I for me personally, it is easier to imagine God breathing over those waters in the creation story and bringing order to chaos, bringing something from nothing and creating all the functions for all the creation. And so I do picture him in the beginning. And then I clearly picture Jesus in the gospels, especially in John's gospel, in the beginning was the word. I can picture him. Maybe it's the chosen. Maybe it's I don't AI, you know, pictures of Jesus, but now I can really picture, imagine Jesus present at the beginning of that gospel era and the early church movement. But I think it's harder for me to imagine that Jesus is present even in our conversation right now. Mm-hmm. Although I prayed about it before we got yeah. on to record. And I acknowledge that he is present. I don't actually imagine him being here. So it becomes even harder to look to the future and go, how are you going to make all this right? All of this, I've got a lot that I need you to deal with in me and others. And so I think his omnipresence, we can wrap our brains around this. It points us to the gospel because if he was there in the beginning and he's here now, he will for sure meet us in that new heaven and the new earth, and he will be there with us forever. And part of what John does in Revelation in the very last few chapters of the entire Bible is to remind us that his staying presence is now fully realized. So we have have glimmers of it through the Spirit's indwelling. We have glimmers of it through Christ's abiding presence. And we can acknowledge God in everything, 
But then we see this picture of Jesus coming to dwell with us again, to be present. And I think that's how it points us to the gospel. Amen. Amen. I had one uh, guest, he was like, the gospel is God. Uh, mm. And that we get to do life with him through Jesus. And I love how you're like, it's, we have glimmers now. We have glimmers. But the last few chapters of Revelation, some of my mm. favorite, because mm. they, they remind us that one day, uh, a God who sometimes it's hard to, to feel God's presence because we cannot see him, that we will see him in all his glory for eternity uh, because that our God will be present with us fully the same way that he has right now, the same way that he has been in the past for all of humanity, that he will be in the future. There's some, some, my Anglican uh, brothers and sisters, the language they use is world without end. Yes. And it just is like, oh, yes. Yes. That is what I hope for. That is what yeah. sustains me. And that is what reminds me why uh, life with God is where I want to be found. Thank you, Kat. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. I so appreciate you. Our reflection question for this week is this. How should the truth of God's omnipresence change the way you live? Maybe it should lead you to drop that sin habit that you've been hiding, right? That even though no one can see it, God does. And that should be enough motivation for us to confess, repent, and walk in the way of holiness. Or maybe you need to rest in the fact that our compassionate God is present with you right now in your situation. He's not going to leave you. And because he is present in the future, he can make sure that right now you have the guidance you need to arrive to where you need to in whatever you're dealing with. Or maybe you just need to be patient, waiting for the wisdom giver to deposit within you the truth that you are searching for. So get off Google, get off your internet searches, pray and wait knowing that God will reveal the truth you need in his time, which is always the right time. Share your thoughts with a friend or a family member, because as always, I believe we grow more when we do it in community. Thank you for listening to Starting Place. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic or connecting with our guests, please check the show notes for more information. And also, we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to message us on Instagram or shoot us an email at podcast at the woodsoninstitute.org. And don't forget, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. It helps other people find the show and connect with us. Until next time, grace and peace, y'all.